Parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to Everyday Parenting with Mary Beth Henry, a licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator. Everyday Parenting utilizes face-to-face, unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities. Today's episode is sponsored by Jabberdogs. Speech, language, and communication play a vital role in our lives. Without it, children have difficulty communicating their basic needs and can struggle academically or with peers. At Jabberdogs, speech-language pathologist Stephanie Mashik can help you or your loved one become a successful communicator. Based in Pasadena, California, Jabberdogs offers private speech and language therapy at affordable rates. They also take insurance, including Blue Shield and Anthem Blue Cross of California. Visit Jabberdogs.com for more information. That's J-A-B-B-E-R-D-O-G-S dot com. Today's episode is from a group session. Mary Beth talks to Claire, who is worried about her 11-year-old daughter, who has been exhibiting signs of anxiety through a nervous habit. My name is Claire. I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old girl named Liv and an 8-year-old son, Luke. My question for you today, or the reason I'm seeking some extra support, is with my daughter. Just over a year ago, we moved into a new house, and we allowed the kids to finish out their current school year at the school that they had been at. Mm-hmm. But this year, we made the transition to the new school in our new boundaries for our new houses. She seemed to be doing well. She was talking about friends. She loved her, loves her teacher and doesn't really have complaints. But mid-September, I noticed a patch of like a bald spot on the top of her head. I do her hair every day. It started probably the size of like a Ritz cracker, maybe even a little bit smaller. I asked her about it and I actually thought she had cut out a rubber band Mm. from the top of her hair. And I thought that maybe she just had a bad angle and that the angle of her trying to cut out a rubber band also cut out a chunk of her hair. Sure, sure. So I I asked her about it, and she just said she didn't know what it was, so I just kind of attributed to that. I didn't press it anymore. But within two weeks, what started as a small little cracker then became almost, I don't know, a small bagel. But it was... (laughs) Is this my bagel small? I don't know. (laughs) Bagels, bagel. (laughs) Anyways, it was obvious to me that within a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. something was happening. I noticed her hand at her hair constantly. So it became clear to me that there's some stressors there. And she's, I don't know if pulling is the right word because the weird thing about it is The majority of the hair, not all of it, there's a lot of hair missing. So there's pulling also. But what's weird is that it's almost like a flat top. She puts a strand of hair in between her two fingernails. Mm -hmm. And what it seems like she's doing is scraping, scraping the hair. And and perhaps her nails are pinched together so tight that it's breaking truly respect my pediatrician and I like my pediatrician, but what was said was that the apple doesn't fall far far from the tree. And, which is true, 
He asked me how I categorize my spice cabinet, whether it's alphabetical order or height, and it's height. That makes more sense to me. But in that conversation, and even prior, I know that this is so much of me in her. And that's what I'm struggling with. I am very much a perfectionist to a fault. And I feel like I have unrealistic expectations for my children. And I don't know how to get outside of my mind to flip that. I can talk myself through any number of scenarios and know that it's not okay to have these expectations or that they're just kids or that they're just learning. And I want to believe that, but my face, even if my words are saying something different to them, my face says something else and they can read right through it. And then I struggle with being angry at myself for not being able to control my facial expressions that have now hurt them twice. Once for putting on the unrealistic expectations and then second for not acknowledging that it's a bigger problem than it is. She's claimed to have stopped. I've watched the area. It looks like it's getting better. But it's still happening. I know it's still happening. I debated talking to her teacher. But she's such a quiet person that if the teacher calls attention to it, she will withdraw. And school is her. She loves school right now. She totally respects her teacher, loves her teacher. Over the last couple of months, you know, she's 11, so she's definitely developing and changing. And she went from being our daughter who needed the light on and the door all the way open every night to now her door is closed, which I'm grateful because I feel like She's growing up a little bit, but at the same time, it makes me sad that she's closing us out or that it's me that she's closing out, which my son closes his door and it's not a big deal. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's it's but 11 year old daughter. I, I but know. now I with her closing her door, I don't know if she's pulling or I don't know what she's doing. And I just, just. Yesterday, I, the door was closed, and I walked in, and I said, what are you doing? Because I caught, like, she's like, I was picking up my clothes, and she had a smile on her face, and I said, that's not what you were doing. And she's like, no, because she can't lie. I can't lie. <laughs> Hence my facial expressions. She's like, I was picking up, like, honey, why are you doing that? She's like, I don't know. So... There's obviously some type of stressor that's going on. I don't know if it's just body changing or if it's just growth, but it it wasn't, she didn't have this before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to stop it or 
every time. I don't know if I should keep calling attention to it every time I see her hand at her head. Because it looks like I'm nitpicking. Yeah, yeah. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so I'm not focusing on her. I'm focusing on you setting the example for her. Because what she's learned are a lot of great things from you. She's learned how to organize. She's learned how to organize from tall to short. She's learned how to take care of herself. When I think back to when you were 11, what did you want? What did you, did you want to have fun? Yes. But I was, I think already at 11, I I was babysitting. Like I was doing that task oriented things already at 11, like that we had neighbors across the street and I was, I was just over there all the time, just taking care of these little ones. Cause that's just, did you enjoy that? I did. I did. And it was fun for me, you had, well, you but it was very much like, I'm going to help this young family and I'm going to take care of their kids and I'm going to play with them and I'm going to help with their dishes and I'm going to put their laundry away and I'm going to fold their towels. And so even then it was, it was fun, but those were tasks. But you had purpose though, too. For you, fun has purpose. For you as 11 year old, see how you at 11, you reached out to find purpose outside your home. We got to get the energy off of her head, literally out of her head and off of her head and into something. And yes, you saw it this year, but this is not new anxiety for her. I mean, no. right? We know the apples. The apples are all there. The apples fall from there. Yes, we know that. This is what she knows. Is who she is. Did you make her anxious? No. Was she, her temperament that way? Yes. The apple doesn't fall from the tree. We, our children, are us. We got to get her out of literally out of her head. So when you walk into her room and you knock on well knock on her door first before you walk into her room from now on. I do. I knock okay. first. Knock on the door. I do. And if you walk in and you say, what are you doing? You immediately yeah. go to the attack mode versus walking in and connecting with her. And you know this about yourself. When you see something, you say it. You see and say. And what I need you to practice, because what she's used to is mom sees, she says, and I then feel. And I want her to upon seeing you, feel you first yeah. versus jumping to those other pieces first. I want her to feel connected and feel you first. Yeah. So to feel you first, when you walk into a space or when you see her or when you go to her, when you see her in the morning, when you, you have to connect with her. And I would use with her, knowing that she's pulling her hair out, immediately go to the physical touch with her, that positive physical touch, because she's using touch to soothe herself. So I would immediately go to her and embrace her, hold her, or give her some physical touch. And before you say any words of schedule, routine, anything, you have to just connect. It has to be that immediate connection. Upon that connection, what you're going to start seeing with her is if she can feel the connection, what she's going to start processing are feelings. Right now, when she sees you, what do you think she's processing? I, I think she just always looks at me like, 
so what are you thinking or what are you going to say or what are you going to comment on or what are you going to pick apart or what do you, you know, like, it's just. Yeah. So she feels that when she sees you. So when she's sitting in school and you think that's my, when she might be pulling her hair and she has an assignment or she's listening to the teacher, what, what is her self-talk? What do you think she's processing at that point about herself? Why do you think that might be a place that she twirls her hair or pulls her hair? I, I would assume that it's just always like a strive for perfection. Like it's maybe not to the degree that I have, but whatever it is, it's I want to do my best and make sure that it's acknowledged in a sense at home. Like, I mean, she knows that we, you know, have a strong focus on grades and behavior and academics and and it's not just grades. I don't I don't mean to sound like that person, but just that well-rounded person. And I, I'm sure there's just that wanting to do my best to make sure my parents are proud. Yeah. How do they know what your expectations are? How do they know that? Talk about it a lot? Is it just a unwritten rule that's just kind of been? I think it it is. I mean, I I feel like we've been kind of blessed enough to have both of our kids be really do well in school and school's pretty easy for them but there's you know we we talk about school on when they come home how their day was what happened what they learned and then there's is your homework done is there anything you need help with is there anything that you know we can work together on does anything need to be signed we have those discussions and then how did you do on a test? Are you ready for your test? Can I help you study for your test? So there is that interaction. There's a dialogue, yeah. Yeah, dialogue going on. And, and just like, if you have a test tomorrow, okay, make sure that you're ready, and if I can help you, let me know, yeah. or I'll quiz you. Or So there's definitely an awareness of we know when there's tests being taken. We, we're going to ask how you did on your test when we pick you up. Let me just tell you a little scenario in general about children. When we first see them in the morning, when we first see them when they're away from us and we see them again after school or at the end of any kind of event and we see them for the first time, children take very seriously the questions that come out of our mouths the very first time we see them. It's those first words. Those first words for a child emphasizes to them what you value most. So if your child gets home from school or wakes up in the morning, let's just get home from school, let's just go there because that's where we are. A child gets home from school and the energy that you put towards, tell me how your day was. Who did you play with at school today? Who were you friends with? How did you do on your class, you know, your grades? How did was your test? All those pieces, if we ask those upon initial contact with our children, and the general rule is, you know, 15, 20 minutes of our time with our children when we first see them, if that is our questions coming out of our mouth, then that's what your children think that you value most. Does that make sense? Right. So what we have to think about is when children are separated from us from any amount of time, we have to be very conscientious about what we say when we first see them. Yeah, I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see you. And I'm also, you like to use the comparison, like when you go home from work and you've been working all day and you walk in the door and you know, your spouse or your children or whoever asks you the walk in the door, not how your day was or so good to see you, but just 
tell me everything that happened at your work today. I want to hear every last detail what happened at work today. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. But see, that's what we're doing to our children. Right. We ask them. So when we do that and our children get into that pattern of us asking that question, what, what they do all day long is they spend all day obsessing about trying to make sure they can answer those questions for us. And the obsession that they start working on is, okay, so mom's going to ask me about that spelling test, so I darn well better do good on that spelling mm-hmm. test because I want to be able to tell her. Or... I am having a hard time with friendships right now, and mom wants to know who I played with and who I ate lunch with, or did I eat my lunch? And that's just going to be a question. So I better just throw my lunch away at lunchtime because if I bring that lunch home, that's all mom's going to ask me about. And why didn't I eat my food? And then those become obsessions, and those become worries for that child. And so they do spend a majority of their day thinking about how they can fulfill those those wishes that we have because that's what they think. I'm just struggling with the how it's so opposite of me that I don't almost know how to navigate those waters. She came home one day last year and she said, I'm going to run for student council. And I was floored because we talked about this prior and you had to give a speech in front of the whole school. And so prior to this year, it was like, absolutely not. There is no way I'm speaking in front of the whole school. And it was one of those, like, she would easily be elected if a teacher just said, you're doing this. It's it's what you're doing. Yeah. She'd rise to the occasion and do it because she was told she had to. Mm-hmm. But once it's a, I have to give a speech and have peers nominate me, yeah. it was a different thing. So this one day she comes home and we're talking about, okay, she has to come up with a speech. And now it's changed. It's no longer in front of the whole school, which is why she will do it. It's now just in front of your class. And she's like, I can, I can talk in front of my class. I've done that for other speaking things in the past. So then her dad and I are sitting there trying to help her make her speech. And we're listing to her the requirements of what has to be included in this speech. And it says you have to list your character traits that make you a good candidate. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to sell myself. I'm not going to tell them that I'm good at this or I'm good at that. They should just, if they want me, they should just believe me and know. And I'm like, that's not how it works. And so she was in tears. I was in tears. I don't know how to help her. I'm like, let's do some research. Let's look online. Let's listen to some speeches. Mm-hmm. And it's exact. see, they're, they're telling you why they're a good candidate. Huge, major meltdown, end of story, didn't want to run. out the, As fast as it came in, yeah. it was out, and I killed mm-hmm. the moment. Like, yeah. I lost her. Yeah. She was willing. I killed it. Totally killed it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go back on that, but I want to ask you real quick, why do you think you killed it? In your words, why do you think you killed it? I should have just, what, what does your speech want to be? Let me hear what you want to say and then maybe work from that instead of me feeling like I needed to control it. I'm reading the paper. This is what you need to have. These are the bullets. This is what I would do if I was in your position. She's not me. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So I You nailed it. it. You nailed it. You nailed it. Okay. You got it. So I can I can get these bits of clarity. Yes. After. I got it. But they're too late. They're too late. Okay. And their damage is done. Okay. I need you to practice some things. I need you to practice some very basic pieces. I need you to stop. 
I need you to not use your words first. I want you to practice using your body. And you've talked about there's been a conflict of your facial expressions and your words. You say one thing, but your face says another. Okay, that's a conflict. So we're going to start breaking up your your forms of communication into increments that you can be understood better. Along the way in your life, along the way in your childhood, along that way in your childhood and in your own children's childhood, what you have been misled about is the way communication happens. And I need you to focus on nonverbal. Nonverbal cues and nonverbal communication as your first piece. Because your verbal skills have taken you far in your life. You're very, very eloquent in your speech. You can say clearly how you feel. But along the way, what I think happened is one piece that you are jumping away from and avoiding, and it's the nonverbal cues of people. I think that's a really hard piece for you, and I think it's a piece that we need to help your child, both your children, um, understand nonverbal piece first. Okay, so nonverbal communication is a, a significant piece of our communication in our world, and and the way we feel about ourselves truly come from how we interpret our world. It's not the, what people say to us. It's really how we first take in our world and how we interpret that. And so I need you, when with, with your children, I need you to work on the physical nonverbal pieces first. I need you to, I'm going to say it very bluntly, shut your mouth. Just shut the mouth. <laughs> I agree. And just be consistent with the nonverbal pieces and practice that with your children. Your children are going to look at you as if you're from another planet and they're going to be expecting words out of your mouth and they're going to like, mom, just say it because I know you're thinking it and your, your response is going to be, right now, I just want to feel because I need Liv particularly to start feeling. She's pulling her hair and avoiding and, and feeling all these feelings She's just holding it all in. She, as you know, you you see it. She's holding it, yeah. and she needs a safe place to put it. Right now, she wants to give it to you, and she's heading into that pre-adolescent stage where she is going to naturally start holding stuff even more, and then that just going to double the piece. So we're at a very good point age-wise where you have a really good moment here to do this. You have a moment to connect with her. And that you like you've never connected before with her. And it's just going to be starting off with a physical contact and the nonverbal. So can you think of in the morning when you when you see her in the morning, what would be a, a physical nonverbal piece that you could do for her? Just first thing in the morning. Usually when I wake them up, I go in and I like rub their back and I rub like for her, I rub her hair and then her back. And then I'm just like, good morning. It's time to get up. I'm going to give you a few minutes, keep your light off. And then you need, it's time to get up, but it's the rubbing first. And then it's okay. the task oriented. It's okay. time to get up. So can I make a suggestion when you touch live? I don't want you to touch her hair first. The reason I don't want you to touch her hair is once again, when even when you're touching her, you emphasize something first. 
which right. is her hair. A few things I want to change here. She's 11 years old. He's eight. Th- th- this is the time. This is the time for them to be a little more independent. So I actually would like them to have some kind of soothing alarms that will go off where they actually hear an alarm first. Okay. And start. let's start training them to wake. Really, I really want is for them to start um, seeing themselves as a separate piece out of your control that they can manage and do things and be capable of things that you didn't think they were capable of doing. I want to build their confidence. They're both at an age okay. where they could be doing so much more. They're both at the age, and I'm going to bring more examples of this, just stuff I've heard from you. They're both at the age where coming home from school, they shouldn't have to give you a rundown of what's due tomorrow. So you've got to rethink how you could ask that question versus asking what's due tomorrow. I want to know what's due tomorrow. How's it going? Just say, I would love to hear. So change your wording. Again, I would love to hear and know about what's going on in your school. It's very important to me. I really like to be part of that. Okay. Ask them what they want to share with you versus asking drilling. drilling. Mm-hmm. Because we want them to start processing. They are so dependent on you to process everything. Right? And now it's becoming a battleground. Now it's they want to process and you want to process. And that friction is causing a lot of chaos in both their brains. They want to give you information, but the information that you want, they may not want to give you. Or at their age, they really shouldn't have to give you. Okay. So going back to the nonverbal and the waking, have them set an alarm. Have the alarm go up. Say, when I hear the alarm, I'm going to give you... 15 minutes or so of just getting yourselves up. Then I'm going to come in and I'm going to just be with you for a moment in the morning. Just be. Just connect. Just be. And that be might be, they might say, hey, mom, today I have a science test. They're going to start sharing that kind of stuff to you. They're going to start telling you things. They're also going to say, mom, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm so tired. And you can hear that versus saying, come on, guys, just we need to stop and hear them. That's that's that next piece of the nonverbal. It's yes, nonverbal. Then we're going to go into actually hearing them. And then we're going to go into giving them a reciprocal response versus a dominant response. A reciprocal conversation is what I'm going for. Stop, pause, hear, reflect. Just start with those. I mean, it sounds, you know, just start. It sounds so simple. <laughs> yeah. But it's relinquishing a little bit of, of that power and the control and, and trusting them. So letting them start their day with that. Letting them start day with being trusted. Like, I can get up. I have an alarm. I can get up and take care of myself. I can get myself dressed. And then mom's going to come in and just be that little pride of joy that comes in and says, good morning. Peeks your head in and says, good morning. And if they want to have their back rubbed, then so be it. You'll go do that. If they don't want to be touched, so be it. You'll respect that. Just be aware of your actions. You know how methodical you are. And your children love and respect you for who, how methodical you are. It's causing them to feel what? Anxiety. It causes me anxiety. 
my own brain causes me anxiety. Yeah. So imagine, imagine, Claire, if you actually were to practice this on your own. Imagine if you were to do this for yourself. Imagine if you were to get into the shower in the morning and not be going through a list of a thousand things you have to do that day. Imagine if you would be in that shower and actually feel the water coming on your head. You're shaking your head. No, I know. But imagine that. Imagine that world where you would be in that moment. I don't even know what that would feel like. I think it's worth it. That's so foreign to me. Yeah. Because you base your value of of you, who you are, by how productive you are. That third grade self. I can do bulletin boards. I can run this classroom. I see why you chose to be a teacher. You can do forever bulletin boards. (laughs) It's like the best place ever. And to organize and to implement. I can help other kids, but I can't help my own. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? But you have helped your children because what what have you given them? You're pointing out the negatives. And you have a little 11-year-old who took initiative and said, I wanted to learn something and had the confidence and the support from you to say, hey, let's go for it. And what is she doing? She's learning guitar, right? So there are there are positive. It's just hard to see them. It is. It, it, it's so buried, right? It's so buried. So we just need to keep on unbearing and unbearing and just dig it out. Just dig it out bit by bit. Okay. So to dig though, you got to take that first big shovel, whatever you whatever you want to call that shovel, whatever you want to scoop <laughs> out. That first big shovel is really just going back to those basics. That moment when you held your babies for the very first time and you looked into their eyes, right? You held Liv in your arms. You held Luke in your arms and you looked into their eyes. Okay, they could not understand what you were saying, right? And they looked into your eyes. And what did you tell them? That I loved them. Okay. That's where we're going to start back again. We're going to look into their eyes and tell them what? That I love them. Okay. Start each day that way. And you know what you're going to do in the mirror before you see your children? You're probably going to tell me that I love myself. Well, if you want to. (laughs) But I just want you to feel that nice warm shower first. I really want you to feel that. Because that's that piece too. We at least feel the warm water coming off on your head in the morning of the shower. Or enjoy that smell of that coffee. Or put on a warm clothes and just feel that warmth. We have to take care of ourselves too. Okay, This isn't just about your children. You know. It's not just about our children. Parenting is not just about our children. Parenting is seeing our children, seeing us in our children, mm-hmm. and nurturing those pieces of ourselves. So you're nurturing yourself. So my question is, though, when I see her with her hand at her head, do I call attention to that or not? No, you don't. It's We don't. And when you see a child picking their nose or picking a scab, we don't say, get your finger out of your nose. It's go over to them and put your hand on them and say, 
you know, I'm here. Do you need a tissue? Do you want, do your, does your hair need to be brushed right now? So if that just, if I'm driving and I look back in my mirror and see that, do I just not say it because I'm not in the position to go and. Yeah. Yeah. It Sometimes when you see it in the mirror and you see her have her hand up in her head and she's, she's putting her hand up there. All I would ask you to do is to look in your mirror and try to get eye contact with her because she can see you too in that mirror and just tell her what do you, what is it you want to tell her right now? Live. It's okay. Live. I love you, Liv. She just needs that unconditional peace right now. Yeah. If she was picking her nose, you would go give him a tissue. Nurture. Here's a tissue. If you're picking a scab, let's go get a Band-Aid for your scab. Right. Not, don't pick your scab. Don't pick your nose. Okay, she's rubbing her hair. Liv. I would probably say those you. things, though. That's the problem. I would probably we do, say, because you need to stop do. picking your nose. Like, Of course. <laughs> but think about what do you want them to remember? Right. If I'm picking my nose, I need a tissue. That's what we want them to remember. So right. here's a tissue a for your nose. Like, let's so call. if she's rubbing her hair, that's anxiety. She's thinking. Let's change her thinking at that moment. Liv, you are loved. Liv, I love you. Yeah. We got this, kid. I'm here for you, Liv. We can figure this out, Liv. If she sits right behind you, I put my arm back there and just touch her leg. Yeah. Rub her leg. Connect. Yeah. She doesn't need the verbal. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of Stephen Morell. Join the discussion. Search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook, where you can discuss the latest episode, ask for advice, give advice, and posit the question, what would Mary Beth do? You can also reach us at parentingpodcast.com or on Twitter, where our handle is Podcast Parents, or Instagram, where our handle is Everyday Parenting Podcast. Be sure to check our website for more tips at everydayparentingpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To make sure you catch our next episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you rate us on iTunes. It helps more people find us.